Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Manchester United have refreshed in Marbella and gone to West London for a third win out of four against Chelsea. Another great result at Stamford Bridge for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. And that's what we're talking about this week. And we look ahead to Bruges away just before I get on a coach from London and go across the channel. And as always, there's our regular youth loan and women's roundup on the Manchester United weekly podcast. Jack, it was nine wins from 25 for United this season. It's now 10 from 26. Neither is, is good enough, of course, but this was a win that does change the course of, of the Premier League season. A loss to Chelsea and United would now be nine points behind their top four rivals, and now it's three. Um, still seventh, but close to that, that hallowed four spot, and that is vital in, in what was a, a massive win. Yeah, the game itself won't won't change the way that our season has gone so far. It doesn't take away from everything, the very mediocre stuff that we've seen so far this season. But I think, I honestly think the importance of this game was a little bit understated in the build-up because falling nine points behind Chelsea, I think, yeah. would have pretty much been curtains for us. I don't think we've been a team that you would ever think would be able to come back from nine points. Now the deficit is three, and now you're starting to, to look at it from the other direction in that, all the teams around us, especially Spurs, Chelsea, have been just as inconsistent as, as we have this season. And really that win for us has, has, has blown this race wide open. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're right. It, it would have been over had, had Chelsea won. I think a draw and, and keeping that gap to six points and it's, it's still possible. But three points is, is very much, a, a United are, are very much in the top four race and that's where we should be. I mean, we, sh- we should be doing better than that, I think. Um and I don't think that's a point worth completely skipping over, even though it's, it's perhaps a bit of a boring one when we've just beaten Chelsea. Um, 
for for the second third time this season. Sorry, but it, it, United should be doing better than they are. But this is uh, to, just to 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 reiterate how ridiculous this this run of games against Chelsea is. Is that this is the first time United have done the league double over Chelsea since 1988? Um, so Alex Ferguson didn't manage it from from 88 until until his retirement under David Moyes we had some some horror games at Stamford Bridge under Mourinho we lost 4-0 at Stamford Bridge but since Solskjaer came in he has made he's turned things around he's turned Chelsea from being United's bogey team to United being Frank Lampard's Chelsea's bogey team and it, it's brilliant yeah, I'm, not, I'm not used to watching United score goals and win games against Chelsea I mean, I used to apps. I mean, still kind of do to some degree, but absolutely dread watching United play Chelsea. It just always seemed like the kind of place we we never really had any hope of of going to win. Yeah. But I think so, the thing that Solskjaer has done really well is he's capitalised on on the weaknesses of, of Chelsea and that they push a lot of men forward. They're not too strong in the wide areas, and and we've sort of managed to crowd out the midfield and push them wide and force them to try and, and start playing through the, through their wide men. And they, unfortunately, just don't really have the capability of doing that at the moment. I mean, I, th- I think, and Solskjaer, to be fair, was, was very candid about this after the game. I think, you know, as, as momentous as this victory is and as good as it is for our, for our pro- prospects for the top four at the end of the season, it, it wasn't a great performance by us. I thought we were yeah. very sloppy on the ball, especially in the first half. We really struggled to, to get any sort of control in the game. But sometimes you need that, that little bit of luck and you need to be able to, to survive. Chelsea had a few good chances that on another day they could easily have taken. But we did well in that we came back into the game, especially in, in sort of the second half of, of the first half. And then, you know, there were a few times where we looked a little bit shaky at the back, obviously had the two disallowed goals. But in the end, you ride your luck and, and we took the chances that we did have. And I thought, even though it wasn't a great performance, there were some positives that we could take from it. And it was clearly a deserved win. There was there was nothing. I don't I don't think anyone could really come away from that. You can say United were lucky, absolutely, because there were a couple of of questionable refereeing decisions. There were a couple of of lucky moments, but I think most people have come away from that saying United probably did deserve that. It was two two really good goals, and I think there was there was a lot to credit. Um, to credit Solskjaer for the fact that United scored from a corner and Emmanuel Matic came out after the game and said it's really nice to, to score from a corner because we've been working on it in, in Marbella where United had their, their warm weather training camp so obviously I mean I'd still like, us, like to see us work a little bit more on defending corners since it's still <laughs> an issue but <laughs> well yeah exactly but um, we did concede one and it, it was disallowed on on VAR but yeah it, it, there, there was certainly some some positive things the, the Luke Shaw starting with Brandon Williams um in that that kind of left back duo that that does work and it's worked at, at, at many places at Anfield it didn't quite come off because of the other areas of United's game wasn't good enough but in in that sense it, it kept Mohamed Salah very quiet it's worked against City as well and this is this is what we've said so many times when Solskjaer needs a result he, he pulls it out of the bag and he does it against big teams. He does it against Chelsea twice at Stamford Bridge once at home. He does it against City twice in a season. Um, this is the first time I think that, that a manager has won at Chelsea and City um, in the same season in the league away at Chelsea and City since Jurgen Klopp did it in in his first or second season with Liverpool. And that's not to say that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to do what Klopp's done at Liverpool, but it is partly just to say it's been a long time since since someone's done that, and it's definitely an achievement. We should go on to to, to some of the players who, who played well as well as Solskjaer. Um, Managing the game well, Fred, starting off with Fred, um, is, is his 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 brilliance continues. Or I, I'm not sure I should say brilliance. His 
his improvement continues. He's he's not. I still I still wouldn't describe him as a brilliant midfielder, but he he is United's main midfielder. He is having a massive impact in games, and is always now one of the best players on. The yeah, I, I mean, he has a very different style to this player, but I think the role that he's been having and. and the effect that his performances have been having on the, on the game recently remind me a little bit of the role that Darren Fletcher used to play for United. And I don't think either Fred or Darren Fletcher are ever going to mm. be game winners. You know, they're not the kind of player, partly because of how deep they play on the pitch, they were never going to be able to win us a game on their own. I don't think Fred has done that or ever will do that in, in a United shirt. But I think what they do is they play a massive role in, in making everyone else around them tick. And they do that, they play that role so perfectly. Fred defensively he looks like a completely different player to what he was earlier this season and last season he is such a nuisance and I think having his increased mobility in there with Matic who you know who to be fair has played a little bit better than I think a lot of us expected but still is not the most mobile midfielder having Fred's extra mobility in there is a real real positive for us and the way he covers the ground and just puts himself about is very similar to to what Darren Fletcher used to do for us and as I said, I think, you know, watching them, they're very different styles of players, but yeah. I think their role is very similar. So I think it's a little bit strange sometimes when you watch Fred because you're looking for someone who has, has had so much praise heaped on him. You're sometimes looking for, you know, some sort of amazing moment, something outstanding you can really put your finger on and say, this is what makes him so good. But I don't really think that exists in Fred, Fred's game. I think it's more just that he is a solid all-rounder and the role that he plays in that team, he, he sort of just makes everything tick and he... He really is, has turned into the engine room of our team. Yeah, it's it's he's a, he's a player that that demands the ball in midfield. He takes it. He's he's begun to to move better with it. He's he's, he's some more of these incisive dribbles that that kind of pull United forward in a way that that is really necessary because this is a United midfield that for far too long um, has been reactive in in what it does it's been passive it's kind of waited for for the ball to come to them it's waited for the the players in front of them to move so that they can they can pass it and doesn't always come off and Fred's giving well the, the new Fred um is giving United just yeah as you say that that intent to go forward he's he's got that energy in midfield he asks for the ball he moves with it he he, he recycles it well and and that's not something that United have had in midfield for a while and sometimes Pulper's had had some fantastic games. Sometimes McTominay's had some really good games as well. But Fred's doing it really consistently, and I think it. I think it. It, it comes a lot from the fact that he's just been allowed to play consistently, and that meant that United were United midfield looked pretty poor when Pob was out, and it was Fred McTominay and Pereira, and there there were some worrying um, times. But the 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 sales of Ander Herrera, or not sale, but the the departures of Ander Herrera and Marin Fellaini in addition to the injury to Pogba and McTominay, has meant that Fred can play pretty much every game and just settle into it. And yeah, it's, it, it's a massive improvement. And the the other player who, who's improved as, as the course of the season has gone on is, is Aaron Wan-Bissaka. It's three assists in 58 games before, and now two in his last seven. It's a, it's a really positive thing that, that I think both he, because he's obviously worked on his crossing and his attacking up, but both he and the, and the coaching staff should get some credit for because his assist for Anthony Martial was, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think in the case of Wan-Bissaka, it's, I don't really think he's the, the sort of average level of his attacking players improved that much. You know, I wouldn't say that every single time we're attacking, he looks a different player to what he did a few months ago. But I think... The, the difference is that he's now coming up with yeah. a few moments a game of, of real genuine quality and, and 
sometimes, as frustrating as it might be to watch attacks stall so often when they go down the right-hand side, sometimes those couple of moments a game is, is all you actually really need, especially when you have quality strikers. And I, you know, We've criticised Martial a lot, but I think a lot of the credit for his goal last night has to go to the way that he got up and, and, and won that header because it was a great cross by Wan-Bissaka, but you need someone like Martial attacking it, running onto it and getting that kind of power on the header. It was a brilliant header. So I, th- I think Wan-Bissaka does deserve a lot of credit for it, the improvement that he's made because there is no doubt that he has improved a lot. You know, seeing him starting to rack up a few assists now, it's still not, you know, gaudy numbers by any means, but it's, it's a few and he is starting to contribute in an attacking sense. I would caution a little bit with some of the praise that's being heaped on him just because I don't see don't see this sort of transformation that a lot of United fans are, are sort of claiming that he's gone through. I don't see him as a consistently different player going forward. But those few moments that he's providing are a good sign that hopefully this improvement can, can continue. And if he keeps providing those couple of moments every game, then sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't think, I don't think there's been a, an incredible change in, in how he plays and it, it, it remains a very gradual thing but I think the the first time we started noticing it was probably start of January you started to see Wambasaki get in a, a couple yeah. of, of good crosses per game and obviously that's kind of what you expect from a fullback but it's, it's what we weren't seeing um, and now yeah you, you're just seeing seeing small gradual improvements not each week but over the over the course of the last few months and this is the the kind of basic requirement for a football player and the basic requirement also for a football manager or a Manchester United manager is to improve the players at your disposal. But it's something that hasn't that didn't happen under under Jose Mourinho that much. You could argue Scott McTominay. Um you could argue at, at, at moments Anthony Martial had improved in certain areas of his game. Um, and, and Victor Lindelof as well. You could argue under Louis van Gaal that he brought through a couple of players, he improved a couple of others, but Really, we're seeing specific things improve when Solskjaer is manager, and I'm not saying that this is a, a testament to managerial genius or something. This is this is ultimately a basic requirement, but it, it's nice to see that it actually is happening at United because for for far too often there's been this kind of people have everyone's seen it when you, you remark that players don't improve when they go to Manchester United; they slip into they slip into some kind of inevitable decline when they walk through the doors of Carrington and that's that's not really happening um as much. We'll see we'll see over the, the next few months. But Wan Bissaka is a is a credit and yeah, you say it's only a couple of moments, but as you also say, to be fair, that's that's all you need really and, and hopefully it will be a steady improvement, not a a this this shouldn't be it, it should carry on. But social improvement players is certainly a positive thing and, and I don't think something that can be argued with that much. I think I think it, it it's certain players, you know, and to be fair, I think improving certain players is, is still an improvement on what we've had in the last few years where pretty much no one seemed seemed to be going forward. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't say it's a complete squad improvement. Um I mean I mean I think you only have to look at the the results for that. But I do think there are especially the younger players in our squad, which I think was the real issue under Mourinho, is that you know we don't necessarily expect players like Bastian Feinsteiger, Wayne Rooney, you know who else, uh, Fellaini, Herrera, people at that stage of their career to be improving that much. But I think the issue was that there were so few young players that were starting to progress, and and now we are starting to see that a little bit more. You know, obviously Rashford taking a huge step forward this season. McTominay, which as you said, has kind of started under Mourinho, is as sort of bounded forward even even more this year. 
So I, th- I think in that sense, obviously Mason Greenwood coming in as well. In that sense, I think it is a big positive that we're at least seeing some younger players come through and, and start to improve, and, and hopefully Wan Bissaka will be part of that as well. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Solskjaer in terms of the improvement of players has made a huge difference, but maybe I think the players that we want to see progressing a lot that is starting to happen, which is definitely a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, Bruno Fernandez, someone who. You don't have to improve at the moment. 26-year-old who's come in. He had a, an OK debut against Wolves. Nothing spectacular. This this Chelsea game was, again, really, really positive. He he moves the ball with the, the confidence that United don't really have it in that many other players. He receives it with his, his, his back to goal and, and does well with it. I think that's not his, his best position, but he's doing OK with it. His set-piece quality for the Maguire goal, but he also hit the post with a, a free kick in the second half. And... This overall was just a, a game where you thought, yeah, this is a a, a good signing, um, and and hopefully he'll grow into it. And the the big thing that you need to see from him is is that he's going to contribute goals because that's what United really need from from a midfielder, attacking midfielder, is someone who's can can alleviate the burden that is currently on Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood, etc., Dan James as well. So yeah, an, another good performance from yeah, him. Yeah, I, I thought. Bruno Fernandes' performance against Chelsea was a massive, massive positive for us. I tweeted at half-time that he, he hadn't been massively involved in the game, and I think that's probably the main criticism you could have of him throughout, in that he was never that central to a lot of our play in, in terms of just his general involvement on the game. But every single time he picked up the ball, he just looked so silky, so smooth. He, he, his vision is clear. You know, So, so often we, we get the ball into, a mid, into the midfield, especially in, you know, an advanced midfielder, and it just takes so it just takes ages for the ball to be moved on. It slows our play play down so much, especially when you're a counter attacking side, as we are, especially in big games. Having someone like Fernandez with the kind of vision that he has, with how quickly he moves the ball, it makes such a huge difference. And for me, I was really trying to watch Fernandez because I don't think the the game against Wolves was a, a really a fair barometer of his performance because he only arrived a few days earlier. And I think the one thing that I noticed was just in the, even the simple things, everything was done at, at speed. It was, it was a good pace to everything he was doing. You know, there was no two, three extra touches every time he got the ball to get it out of his feet. It was a crisp first touch, a, a crisp pass, and then he'd be on the move again. As I said, I'm not, I, I, I don't think he was superb by any means. You know, I don't think he really affected the game as much as maybe we, we would like from an attacking midfielder. But I think there were massive positives there for his performance. And he looks like the kind of player who will help us be able to break down teams that sit deep against us. And even just with setting us off on counter-attacks, the difference between him and someone like Lingard or Mata, just in, in the quality of the passes that he put in through to players, there was a, a great example in the first half when he played a, a lovely one-two with Martial down uh, the left, led to Martial having a, a left-footed shot across the goal that went a little bit wide. But just being able to play such an accurate pass first time with the ball's travelling at quite a lot of pace towards him, the kind of quality that we can't consistently rely on Lingard for, or even matter for that for that matter at the moment. Well, that was not supposed to be a pun, <laughs> but even even matter at the moment either, and that makes a huge difference. Just being able to play at that kind of speed when we're not necessarily having a counter attack from our own from our own box. That's been the issue. It's that we're not able to inject pace into our play when we're having developed attacks that don't start from you know inside our own half. So hopefully that can continue. It wasn't the kind of game where you'd say he was incredible but I think a lot of positives for us to take out of that and I'm excited to watch him integrate more with this squad and hopefully improve in the future yeah definitely it's a it's it's a it's a good start and and that's all it is and that's probably a a positive thing because you can 
too often have players who make some kind of incredible impact by scoring two or, or three on the debut. I'm not talking about Erling Haaland here. Who I've just seen score another two for Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. But um, you can have players who, who come in and start really well and, and then disappoint. Dan James kind of did that and, and the expectation was, was high um, and he, he hasn't lived up to that because that's not how good of a player he is yet and he's been overplayed I think in part because of that obviously because of a, a thin squad as well but yeah Fernandes is doing really well and, and as you say that the speed of play it, as is as is always the case is that when a new signing comes in if they're, if they're doing the, the basic things right they improve the players around them and, and Fred will benefit from this when Scott McTominay comes back he'll benefit but so too will the, the attack in, in Martial Greenwood James whoever it is um Let's talk about one more player before we move on. Eric Bay, first appearance in God knows how long, um, a, a very, very long time. He was injured in, in pre-season, uh, had to have surgery. I think it was, I can't remember which game, maybe against Leeds, but certainly on that on that pre-season tour of Australia and, and Singapore and Asia. Um, Bay was injured, been out since then. Um, Solskjaer said he's been knocking on the door, asking when he's going to get a chance, and, and this was it. And I think there were a few typical scary moments from Eric Bay, you would say, and there were a few really brilliant moments and he was uh, supposedly buzzing after the game talking talking to journalists and rightly so I think it was a really good return for him. Yeah, I've got to say I wasn't particularly confident after the first couple of minutes when he had one howler <laughs> that, that led to, uh, I think it was Batshuayi running through yeah. one goal yeah. and luckily putting it wide. There were a couple of other moments as well which, to be fair, I think is pretty much a constant when you're watching Eric Bailly, where your heart goes in your mouth and you're just thinking, put your foot through it. I mean, there was one in, one in particular in the first half where I can't remember who he dispossessed, but then he, he starts doing uh, stepovers and, and neat little turns <laughs> in his own box and it ended up working out well. But as he's doing it, you're just thinking, Eric, please, just get, get, get the ball out of harm's way. You know, there's no need to be doing this. But despite my early reservations and sort of my trepidation every time he picked up the ball... It was a brilliant performance in the end. There were a couple of really, really vital interceptions. One in particular in the second half when Giroud played in Kovacic and he came yeah. sliding across, put in a brilliant block. You know, there's, there's always a little bit of luck involved, I think, when Eric Bailly is defending. But there's a reason why we all like, why we all loved him so much when, in his first couple of seasons here because despite being so injury prone, I think when he's at his best, he is a very, very good defender. It's now just a challenge of trying to, to, to keep him fit. And hopefully get him to stay on the pitch a little bit more because he does offer us a great option outside well, of Maguire and Lindelof. I think sometimes the ability to stay fit is quite an underrated uh, attribute or skill. It's not really a skill, but you, you know what I mean. The ability to stay fit as a footballer is is, is so important. And I think yeah. I think there's only so long you can say, well, if he could stay fit, he'd be a great player because th- there comes a stage in, in someone's career or someone's time at a football club where you think, well the reason they're not a great player is because they can't stay fit and, and that that is part of their, oh, their story, their character now. I think Eric Bailly is almost at that point and another injury and and that will probably be it. How long do you give him? Do you give him until the summer? Do you give him until the end of the next season? United have, have triggered the, the automatic contract extension in his in his deal. So they've got a couple of years to, to see what happens and I think that's that's a good thing. Um if he can stay fit for the rest of the season, it's a really positive thing. And Axel Twanzebel should be coming back in, in a couple of weeks. And then you've got some pretty good centre-back options in Maguire, Lindelof, Bay, and, and Twanzebel with Phil Jones as hopefully fifth choice and, and perhaps on his way out um, at the end of the season. But yeah, Bay is, is clearly, 
he's a, he's a good defender, and I say that with a with a laugh and and a caveat of that he is a he can be a massive risk. And for for however nice it was to watch him do the the step over in his own box and that turn where he turned back towards his own goal and then further central into the pitch, and he thought this is. It goes against all the rules of football you're told as a kid. It's, it's, it's don't play the ball across your, your own goal, let alone just run with it. And yet it, it came off and and it, it was it was fun. Um, the the problem is, that, do I want that if I have to sacrifice the the, <laughs> the safeness in, in other times in the game where he's going to make a mistake? Probably not. So yeah, hopefully he can, can work on that part of his game. Um, just to finish off, uh, a small stat before we move on to... We're going to talk about Bruges and maybe a little bit on Paul Popper in just after the youth and loan and women's roundup. But we've now got 17 points from playing the top six. Can you guess how many from the, the bottom six? Uh, now I'm trying to remember how many points we have. Uh, 19? Yeah. Oh, wait, from the bottom six. Hang on, sorry. I thought you meant from all of our other games. Hang on, from the bottom six... 10 or 11 yeah 10 points from the bottom six 17 from the top six and that is the way that this this united side works which is obviously not a, a positive thing but it has left some some brilliant days of the of the season and which which way would you rather it round probably that way because as a, as a fan it means you get some some great days against chelsea city whoever it is um Right, let's let's. <laughs> How to give your fans a roller coaster <laughs> of a season? Well, that's the thing. If if we now go on to forget the Bruges game because it's part of a separate um, competition, but if we go on to to draw or lose to Watford, then then this is a a disappointment again, and and United really can't do that. And we said that before the last Watford game when we just beaten City, Spurs, as Alkmaar by four four nil. Um, and then we we'd beaten Colchester. We went to Watford and and drew and lost there. Sorry, um, and we can't do that again. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, that that will be top four over then. And we've given ourselves this chance with this two 0 win against Chelsea, and we've we've got to take it right. Um, let's move on to to Bruges and Pogba. But first, uh, no recent games for the under twenty threes and under 18s They've been on a training camp in the Algarve in Portugal, which looked and sounded very nice. That was it, it was a really successful trip. Um, Ted and Mengi, the 17-year-old centre-back, captained a United under-23 side against Benfica's B team in a friendly on one day of that training camp. Aidan Barlow scored United's goal in a 2-1 loss to Benfica. It was notable that, that Mengi was captain despite playing with some, some older players. Angel Gomez was also at that training camp in the Algarve, but then moved over, flew over to Spain um, to join the first team in Marbella. I think Tafif Chong was, was in Marbella as well. Um, not much action in the in the women's super league because of Storm Dennis and his his female predecessor Cara, but uh, United did manage to play their game away at Brighton. That was a one-one draw, and Casey Stoney's United side now haven't won since Spurs away in mid-January. So a bit of a mid-season slump from United's women's side. Now, Jack, we'll talk about Bruges, but first, Paul Pogba, Mino Raula. We well, I'll speak for myself first rather than both of us. Um, I'd, I've 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 long held this ambition for Paul Pogba to be a success at Manchester United and I, I still kind of hold that and I would still love him to, to be a good Manchester United player. I'm I'm not one of those who is incredibly angry at him as a person. The the person I would direct my anger at is as as I would direct my anger at Paul Stretford, Wayne Rooney's agent rather than Wayne Rooney himself. The person is Mina Raula and his comments um, this latest spat he's, he's created with Oregon and social means that for me, for the first time, I think 
selling Paul Pogba is probably the best thing for, for Manchester United to do. It's a tough one. I'm with you that I've, I've always sort of harboured hope that Paul Pogba will end up becoming a, a great player for Manchester United. And to be fair to him, I think for the most part, he hasn't been a great Manchester United player, but I think he's been a good Manchester United player for the last few years. I mean, Raiola made some comments today appearing to sort of row back on what he said, saying that his comments were taken out of context and that he's going to reach out to Solskjaer. I mean, whether that is actually true or if it's him sort of trying to maintain a reputation, who knows? But it did seem like there was... It was, some, it was a lot more direct, the criticism of, of Solskjaer, whereas I think normally agents are sort of masters of, of veiled comments that, you know, get the point across without being too inflammatory. And, I don't, and I, that's not to say that I think Rayola did this by mistake. I think it was a very calculated move. The problem for me is I, I, I can't see us progressing without Pogba unless we replace him, which I just don't, I don't believe in, in us to do. Um, and I think probably one of the most frustrating parts about this is that I think actually Pogba alongside Bruno Fernandes and Fred in midfield would probably be the best midfield we've had in the last four or five years. And it looks like a very exciting midfield with a lot of variety in it. And yet we probably, if we do see it, we'll only see it for a few weeks towards the end of the season when Pogba eventually returns from injury. Yeah, it is exciting, but you just, the circus around Pogba is is probably now too much for it to work. And I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong on that. But I, th- I think this is this is a weird, without Pogba playing, this is kind of a weird turning point for me where I've looked at it and thought, this is this is too much now. And and it's not to do with anything Pogba said. And you can say um, Pogba controls his agent. I, d- I just don't know if that's, that's always true. Um, I think, obviously, if Pogba wanted to stop it all and say, you know, stop, stop being such a dickhead and stop saying all of these things, I'm sure he could. Um, and, and he should do that. But at the same time, I think agents have a, a way over their players and, and the trust built between a young player and his agent is can can be a scary thing at, at, at some points when it when it manifests itself in the wrong way. And I think there's 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 a lot of work to be done on that. Right, let, let's talk about the Club Bruges game very quickly. I'm getting on a coach in about 12 hours to head over to, to Bruges, which is apparently a very romantic city, which is what I'm sure most of the three or four thousand United fans going over are going for um, not the the 14% Belgian lager but what are you predicting for this game it, it could be a, a difficult one Bruges have, have caused some problems to some very big teams Real Madrid PSG um, and United could be added to that list absolutely I, I, I'm not confident at all to be honest um, I think if you'd offer me a, a 1-0 United win I'd snap your hand off for it I think it's going to be tough I reckon Bruges are probably going to sit back but also Hit, hit us on the counter-attack pretty hard. They have some decent players going forward. And, um, and you know, and to, and to some degree, regardless of, of who it is you're playing, it's an away tie in Europe. It might be the, the Europa League, but it doesn't change how hostile it's going to be. It's never easy to go and play away in Europe, especially in a knockout knockout game where everything's very tense. I think the big thing for United is, is get off to a decent start, control the game. And really, the big thing is coming back with, with an away goal and at worst, a draw, you know, Obviously, coming back with a defeat would be not what we want, but I think a score draw would not be the end of the world for United, and you'd, you'd back us to hopefully beat Bruges at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I'd, if this game was at Old Trafford, I'd, I'd be reasonably confident. I think, am I confident that, I think that the, the key question is obviously, do you think United will go through, not will they win at Bruges? And I think, I think we certainly should. And I, I, I basically do think we, we will go through. Um, but I think the away leg will be very tricky 
Um, on the other hand, we haven't just, I'm sure, I hope, we haven't just been preparing for the Chelsea game over this two-week break in, in Marbella. And I'm sure there have been some... The, the, the starting eleven and, and the tactics for this Bruges game, they've had a long time to prepare for this. Um, and I'm sure that the, the formation and the starting lineup has been has trained together as it was for the Chelsea game. Um, I think Matic came out and said, we've been training with this formation, with this game in mind for a few days over the last few weeks, as, as you would expect. But it just gives you a bit more time to prepare for it. So we, we should be winning, even if it's away. Um, but as you say, a score draw would be good. It, I'm going to ask you for an, an actual prediction. I'll go... The rather disappointing one-one draw. Okay, um, I'm going to go with a two-one United win. I think what's going to happen is we'll beat Chelsea brilliantly, two-nil away from home. We'll beat Bruges, play play okay, and then we'll draw to Watford. And I think that's that's basically where this United side are at at the moment. Very inconsistent. I will probably be speaking to the the listeners before the Watford game. Um, I'll try and record some things from Bruges if I'm in a, a reasonable enough state, state to do so. But um, the the Watford game as well, prediction for that? For the Watford game, I mean, it's hard to disagree Disagree that we, uh, this on paper, what should be the easiest game might be the one that we actually struggle in. For the Watford game, I reckon, let's go with a 1-0 draw and Odion Agala to get his first United goal against his <laughs> former club in the 88th minute. It would be brilliant, and it was it was great to see him him come off the bench against Chelsea, the first yeah. Nigerian player for Manchester United. Um, I was gutted when he missed the chance at the end. I know. I I turned. I about thirty seconds before that, I turned to my mate sitting me next to her, next to me in the pub and said, "If Agallo scores, we're hitting the town." And as he went through, <laughs> he just poked me, and I, I was I was almost in celebration. And then he missed. Um, but he did have a he had a good impact off the bench. To be fair to him, yeah, he did. I, and listen, I think we all know that he's not he's not going to be a world beater for us. But if he can contribute something and offer us a, a different option up front, then I think that's what he's he's here to do. Yeah, right. That's all we have time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, for more from us throughout the week, um, you can find Jack on Twitter at, at UTD Tate T A I T. You can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson sixty four, and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there. Um, thank you for listening if you are enjoying the show or if even if this is your first time listening and you thought it's anything but terrible please leave us a review on iTunes it does help massively to uh, shift us up the charts get more people listening to it otherwise send any questions on Twitter keep listening and have a great week goodbye Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.